Welcome, everybody. I want to get right to it. Dr. Vinay Prasad is somebody I've been wanting to speak to for a little while. He's a practicing hematologist, oncologist, associate professor in the Department of Epidemiology, Biostats, University of California, San Francisco. He studies cancer medication, clinical trials, better decision-making in medicine. He also cares for a wide range of hematological patients. Uh, Dr. Prasad's podcast is called Plenary Sessions. I cannot recommend it strongly enough, particularly if you have any interest in healthcare. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Let's talk about our friends at Hydrolyte. I can't say enough about Hydrolyte. You hear me talk about them all the time. It gets me through workouts and medical procedures and colonoscopies. And COVID, it absolutely contributed to my recovery from COVID. Hydration is key to feeling healthy. And there's never been a time when that could be more important. We're in the height of cold flu season. Every headache has got you testing for COVID. Staying hydrated can keep the questionable symptoms at bay, and there's nothing better than Hydrolyte to get it done. Taking their hydration formula one step further, now there is Hydrolyte Plus Immunity. It starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients, plus each single-serve, easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-pour powder sticks that rapidly dissolve in water to make a great-tasting drink that is a 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all-natural flavors. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash Dr. Drew. And be sure to use that code Dr. Drew 25 at checkout for a special discount. Dr. Vinay Prasad, thank you for joining us. It's great to be back. Yes, thank you. Great to have you again. So I, I don't know if I remember if I told you last time, but I found plenary sessions well before the current uh, circumstances we all find ourselves in. Uh, and I loved it. And I loved it because, you know, you not all of our peers know how to read medical literature, penetrate the analysis, you know, whether or not the study design was good, whether the statistical analysis was appropriate, whether the conclusions and assumptions were appropriate, and then contextualize it within the rest of the landscape of the literature on the topic in question. You're uncanny at doing that. So it didn't surprise me that when we got into our present mess, you would have something to say about it because it didn't look to me like people were using very penetrative analysis of the of the risks and rewards of the present moment. And we sort of talked about this last time you were here and you were starting to get your feet wet with writing articles about, let's just call it what it is, the insanity of the decision-making uh, around public health policy in, in the last year and a half or two years. And you've kept going. <laughs> and I thank you for that. Uh, most recently, you've been taking on vaccine mandates, I would say. That's probably the best way, to, I think, to characterize uh, what you've been talking about. You want to tiptoe into that for us? 
Well, I guess uh, there are many parts to it, but I think you, you're right in the sense that I've always been somebody who likes to read the literature critically. And so when I see a paper, I don't take it at face value. I want to dive into it. Um, let's talk about vaccine mandates. I think we have several categories of vaccine mandates. We have workplace vaccine mandates uh, directly pushed by the administration. We have mandates that go through OSHA. We'll see about the legality of that, but that's affecting many people. We also have school mandates that have started. We have a mandate in Los Angeles um, for children above the age of 12 that they need two doses, I think by the end of the year, um, or they won't be able to attend in-person school. So that's a different type of mandate. And I guess I've commented to some degree about each of these mandates. But if I could just for a minute, I'll talk about the school mandate. I think the school mandate is a tough mandate in the sense that there is a clear downside from having this mandate, which is that there are going to be some kids who you're going to push out of school. And I happen to think that now is not a moment we want to push kids out of school. Now is a moment where we want to account for all the kids who've been missing. And as you know, there are many children who have been out of school for over a year. No one's been in touch with those kids. I think that's the priority, bring them back. And then down the road, we can talk about mandates. The Los Angeles decision is unique. It mandates it under the auspices of the emergency use authorization for 12 to 15, uh, which is not a formal biological license agreement, not a formal approval. Um, and so I think it's a tough mandate. Um, and so I'm happy to talk about school mandates. I'm happy to talk about workplace mandates, but there's a there's a bunch of mandates in place. Well, yeah, the the, the one issue you've raised is, uh, of course, that of young males and myocarditis. Uh, and which is a real, you know, it's one per 5,000, let's say, just for the sake of argument. Uh, and uh, the people that want to sort of sideline that side effect say, well, it's mild and reversible, which, which is true thus far. When you start mandating vaccines of millions of kids, you're going to get some more severe cases and you're going to get some bad outcomes. My fear, I don't know if this is what your fear is, that in doing so, Two things have happened. The government has superseded the, the physician decision-making, the patient-physician decision-making, the thing that you and I value perhaps most above all else. You and I sit down with a patient and go, together, we're going to make a decision based on the best risk-reward, motivational state you're in, risk tolerance, the actuality of whether or not it's something that you should be subjecting yourself to, it, the, the benefits you're likely to get. You and I and the patient, we sit down and we go through this carefully. We don't just walk in and go take it <laughs> which is what the government is doing now they've they've gotten they've superseded they they've ruined well they've i don't know ruins the right word they, they've taken away the physician patient relationship and decision making and are doing it all by fiat and mandate to me the biggest downside of doing that is you're going to get some problems and then vaccines generally are going to be uh yes. resisted because of you know the the mandate itself, it's going to be a more widespread problem with vaccine resistance. Do you agree with that? Yes, I think that's the worry. And you've made a number of excellent points here. I'll just hit on one some some of them. Uh, the commissioner, the former commissioner of the FDA, Scott Gottlieb, has said that he thinks, to some degree, these kinds of choices, especially around kids and adolescents, they need to be between the parents. The, 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 the kid and the doctor. That's really the right place you want to have these discussions. Every kid is different. Some kid had, had COVID and recovered from COVID. Uh, if you're a 12 year old boy and you've had COVID and recovered from COVID, do you necessarily need two doses of the mRNA vaccine? Could you get by with one dose? Um, could you, if you're a healthy 12 year old boy, could you space the doses further apart as some countries in Europe are doing to try to lower the risk of myocarditis? These are different strategies. But that LA mandate 
Not only you got to get two doses, they're not happy with one dose. You got to get two doses. Even if you're a 12 year old boy, 13 year old boy, 14 year old boy, they have to be within a certain time period. And that time period give a lot of flexibility for doctors and pediatricians to make choices that are individualized, perhaps spreading the doses further apart, which is a strategy that's being attempted in Europe. So I agree with you that these sorts of mandates do encroach upon a sacred space, which is the doctor-patient space, which is that which is that space. And I think they're particularly egregious when you use it as, um, as a, a requirement to go to in-person school. Now, we know in-person school has massive benefits to the kids who attend over the kids who don't attend in-person school. And uh, remote education is no substitute. Um, the last thing, Dr. Drew, I got to point out is that you know, many people are rightly concerned about policies that actually create outcomes that vary by race. And they call it structural racism. They call it structurally racist policy. This policy would do that because, in fact, uh, in the state of California, the highest rate of vaccination in that age group is in Asian kids at 92%, white kids 87%, and black kids in the high 60 percentage. So it will have a different impact based on the race of the child. And so that, to me, is also problematic with the mandate. Yeah. Right. There, there's explicit racism in all the mandates, it, whether it's not allowing somebody to and, and let, let, see people step back from that and go, well, it's, they, they're choosing it. So how is it racist? They're choose. They're not choosing it. The, the African-American population has been poorly served by the medical right. system across the last hundred years. And therefore, we have failed them by not building the proper trust in a medical education. That's not their fault. That's our fault. And so the, we would expect them to be resistant. Now we're not letting them into restaurants. We're keeping them away from schools. Their kids are already distressed and we're gonna make them more distressed by this. I can't understand why that's not a national outrage. I absolutely agree with you. Now, if you wanna talk about the next part of your question, which is vaccine mandates for employment, for going into restaurants, um, these also have unintended consequences. So one thing it is, uh, where are the displaced people going? Are they all going to their house and sitting in their house or are they having meetups on their own, meetups among people who've been pushed out of these communal public venues? And if so, that may be driving spread. The next thing I think people forget about is that I think you already see it. There's going to be a backlash in the votes. There's gonna be a backlash politically against political entities that they felt impose this mandate on them. And those political, that political mm -hmm. backlash is real and it will have consequences for real people on policy down the road. So the mandate is not just about the, did you bump up the percentage point from 62 to 64% and you can pop the champagne then, but you also have to acknowledge that there are many downstream consequences of it that you're not capturing in that metric. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I, I think you've put out a couple of articles recently sort of specifying this, how was the reception of that? I think the reception is good. Um, you know, it's, it's okay, threading a tight needle. It's tight needle. So what's the I needle? Know. I guess um, yeah. right now we're in a climate that's extremely polarized on this issue. And there have always been some people who are steadfastly opposed to all reasonable vaccination. And I don't support those people. There are also a growing group of people who are steadfastly in support of 
every single booster you can get in perpetuity. You don't need to show me any data. Just give me the booster. I'm also not there either. I like to recommend vaccines when they have clear evidence, benefits outweigh harms for the people getting them. And so that's why I strike this nuanced position. I think it's different if you're a 12-year-old boy who had COVID and you recovered versus you're an 87-year-old person who has never had COVID and maybe you're in an assisted living facility. That's a very different choice. And so we can acknowledge those differences. That's always been the practice of medicine. That, that is the basic practice of medicine. And, and I sort of telegraphed this at the, my beginning opening comments. And, and I think you and I talked a little bit about this last time, but I still, every time I interview up here, I, I just have to ask these same questions, which is what happened? I mean, why, what happened to the risk reward um, uh, sort of mandate? You, you're, you're required to make a risk reward analysis. And from the beginning of this pandemic, there seems to have been no risk reward uh, uh, diathesis. They, they've done things that have harmed people massively, pretended it didn't, didn't learn from it, continue to sort of focus on the same drum, beat of the same drum. I'm just astonished. I don't understand what's happening. Now, people have begun to say out loud, I've begun to talk to some of the experts that were there during the decision making, who have said things like, and I said, well, what, why? What did you, what were you thinking? And they, they're saying now, well, it was a panic. We were panicked. Okay. All right. Well, why still? Why are we adjusting to that? Why aren't you learning? You were in a panic. You didn't have all the information. I get it. You made a bad decision. Why are you standing by that decision and continuing to bang the drum for bad policy? It's it's that we can be more nuanced about this now. We have a toolbox. We know a lot of things we can do that won't be so harmful to people. Why the insistence? Do you have any idea? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that some of the most harmful policies we did early on is lockdown slash shelter in place. That's a policy that yep. the implications go to every domain of life. It's not just healthcare. It disrupts everything, the economy, people's livelihoods, everything. Yep. School yep. closure is the other everything. big intervention, and it has many consequences. Yep. You don't even know all the consequences. It's never been done like this at this scale for so long. So you're right. All of these things are blunt force tools. Uh, it's it's performing a surgery with an ax and not a scalpel. They're very crude tools. Now, why why did we jump aboard? Why do we stifle dissent? Why is everyone, you know, sort of the mainstream media has a certain narrative about it. Twitter has a certain narrative. And I think it's in part, in part because it's been politicized that for whatever reason, um, you know, one political side is the side of more masks, mask younger kids and have mask mandates in school and mandatory vaccine policies. The other political party has gone the other direction on these issues. It didn't have to be that way. The parties could have split these issues differently. Um, but once it gets politicized and in, in this environment, it's going to naturally pull towards more extremes. I think the other reason is panic. You see that around the new variant that has been announced, uh, sequenced by South Africa. Um, you see sort of immediate panic. And why is panic so powerful? I mean, we live in an environment where panic, anxiety, rage, outrage, these are the emotions that drive everything. They drive the masthead of the New York Times, they drive Twitter, they drive Facebook. The New York Times is responding to what they're seeing on Twitter and Facebook. And so these emotions have always garnered attention. And in this current moment in time where attention is the commodity, it's natural that everything gets pushed in that direction. Uh, I think the failure is that you expect scientists, scientists and public policy experts to be able to take a step back, take a deep breath and say, you know what? What is the right rational calculation? How should I think about this risk in terms of risks we always accept in our day-to-day -day lives? Let's put this in context, um, but you don't see a lot of that. So I agree with your premise. Yeah, it's very, very strange. And um, I, I think not, not only do we have a collective anxiety disorder, I, I think we've become histrionic because so much of 
the rigidity of what's the thinking has become delusional. It's become like mass, like, like mass delusional sort of sweeps across the population periodically where you, it begs no alternative. It's like talking to a patient with a psychotic illness. It's really weird. Uh, so somehow we became kind of delusional. And as such, you're not going to be reading scientific literature very carefully. You're going to be looking at it within the context of your delusional system. I agree with you. I mean, I'll give you one clear example of that. The only explanation, you look at a town like Palo Alto, a lot of smart people in Palo Alto. It's the town that Stanford University is based out of. It's a really expensive place to be. And if you look at that school district, they mandated that the kids wear masks outside at recess. So this combines a lot of things, you know, uh, cloth masking, which we have evidence from a cluster randomized trial in Bangladesh, it didn't really work. Nobody thinks that they work outside. Uh, nobody thinks kids are at highest risk. And you put it all together in the smartest, quote unquote, smartest place in America. What explains that, Dr. Drew? And I think you're onto something. There might be a collective anxiety, collective delusion about this issue in that place. And uh, that's the only explanation I see. That and political polarization, it's extremely left of center. And, and right, the the sort of derangement syndromes that people have on both sides, frankly. And and I think the 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 uh, the best example, I don't know if you saw this study, there was a, a, a sort of a brief uh, review or a brief sort of anecdote of uh, somebody that went out and looked on Stanford campus, students riding bikes, students in motion, percent wearing mask versus percent wearing helmet. 20% helmet, 60% mask. Zero utility from the mask and really putting themselves in harm's way without the helmet. I saw one commenter say about that study that I guess if you wear a mask and not wear a helmet, there's no point in protecting a brain that's not working. So I guess I see that, you know, that is a, that's <laughs> those a are Stanford students. Those are, <laughs> those are Stanford students. Those are the best brains, supposedly. But they are well, let's, the best brains. Look this how guy. even the best brains can be swept up in. I think I think the point is oh. clear. The helmet, mile for mile, the helmet's a better bet than the mask outside. No doubt about it. Why are the smartest people making this error? The smartest people making this error because they're not using their brain. They're thinking from a different place, so, and that place is tribalism, visibility, virtue signaling, all the things that we hate about the modern world. And, I think. and yeah, and conclusion, reasoning from conclusion. Also, they've decided this is their point of view, and then they draw draw back. Speaking of that, I, I, I'm a little also mystified. Again, I'm just all day shaking my head. I'm either disgusted or confused. That's my that's how I spend my days. Uh, this is in, on the confusion scale. Uh, mask analysis. We have two controlled studies. We have two, essentially RCTs, uh, which is the Bangladesh and the Denmark study. I remember the the the, the um, excitement that the Denmark study was going to be published. I remember it. There was a buzz about it. And then all of a sudden, any GM passes. And all of a sudden, JAMA passes. Then all of a sudden, you know, and it, gets, it finally gets published in Annals. And it's an okay study. It's a decent study. It's not a bad study. It shouldn't have been passed up by New England Journal. And it and it said something, and yet it it and the Bangladesh study get continually destroyed differently than we normally criticize studies. When you analyze, when I hear you on plenary sessions analyzing a study, you're raising assumptions and issues and looking at details in the analysis, and then and then often stepping back and saying, but still this this can be relied upon as a reasonable conclusion. I just see only you have no idea how bad this is. You have to be a, a statistician to understand how terrible it is. And I just don't see it. So that's my confusion. We have two studies that tell us that masks are about 15, 20% efficacious and people want to destroy those studies. Where do you come in on that and explain to me why? Okay, I think you're you're making a great point. I guess here's how I come in on it. I think um, 
Uh, we have to remember for most of this pandemic in the United States, what was the mask that the mandates have made you wear? What's the mask we're making people wear in San Francisco right now or Los Angeles? I would say throughout most of this pandemic, we've asked people to wear a cloth mask. We just said any mask. We're not demanding they wear a surgical mask. To my knowledge, the only government that ever mandated a surgical mask was Germany. Every other municipality or state used a cloth mask. And I think it is clear from the Bangladesh cluster randomized control trial, we're talking you know, 300,000 people, we're talking 600 villages. I think it is clear that cloth masks had absolutely no reduction in the rate of SARS-CoV-2 spread um, in, in the Bangladesh study. So one thing to say right off the bat is, we've recommended the wrong mask. Now, is it possible wearing a higher quality mask and N95 is the magic thing? Sure, but the N95 has never been studied in a cluster randomized trial. In the same Bangladesh study, we have evidence that the surgical mask was a winner, as you say, 11 percentage point reduction. That's not nothing, but it's also not 80%, which is what the CDC director tweeted and said it was. The CDC director, I hope would know the right answer, but is tweeting 80%. Where did she get that? Where, where did she, I've not seen that anywhere. I think what she's looking at is sort of outbreaks in schools or something. There've been some weird weird sort of observational studies in schools where there's an outbreak or something. Is that what she was looking at? It was just the most Maybe. bizarre I, but statement even that of all study, time. I'm thinking of the Pima County, the Maricopa County CDC study. Even yeah. that study, which yes. is very much flawed, I don't think it even found that big a benefit. Yes. I mean, I think she's looking no. at a study of a double-masked mannequin in a chamber. I mean, that's the only thing I can think she's looking <laughs> oh, at. A double-masked mannequin in a chamber, which is not wow. a real-world study. But let me put it to you no. this way. Okay, so no. she says it's 80%. There's another analysis in the British Medical Journal. It said it was 53%. Uh, that also used very low-quality studies. I saw um, that. One yeah. of the criticisms of the Danish study, uh, Danmask, that, that study that you're referring to, that randomized trial, was the authors tried to find a 50% benefit or what we say in science, the study was powered to detect a 50% benefit. Now, some people said that, well, nobody thought it was 50%. We thought it was about 10%, 20%. And you don't have a big enough study to find that benefit. But what I point out here is that both these things can't be true. If you believe the CDC director, if you believe the BMJ, then Dan Mask had adequate power and it doesn't have that effect. Or you don't believe them, in which case you got a bigger problem because your CDC director doesn't appear to know what the efficacy of masking is, which is, I think, a big catastrophic problem. Right. You don't get to say 53% and not 20%. You don't get to do that right. because once they're, yeah. they're two, they're based upon two different sets of analysis and assumption. You, you can, you can, you can say, well, maybe the 20% is correct and maybe the 53% is correct, or maybe it's somewhere in between. I, I, it could be still not 80%, not even close. And people behave as though not wearing a mask is, is like shooting a gun into a crowd. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing for me to say. Very strange. Um, okay. Uh, what What's uh, occupying you going forward? What kinds of things are you going to be writing about? Are you still focusing on vaccines? I guess, yes. I mean, why? Because they make me. I mean, do I want to focus on this? But as you saw yesterday, they said a few things. Uh, We don't know anything about the new variant. We don't know if it transmits more. We don't know if it's more lethal. We acknowledge that's a true thing. They don't know anything. At the same time, we're changing the recommendation. And anyone over the age of 18, no longer you can get a booster, you should get a booster. That's an interesting claim when you didn't know anything about the new variant. So you're you're upgrading that claim. And the reason that troubles me, Dr. Drew, is we can all imagine there's this 20 year old boy out there and he's already gotten two doses of Moderna. And this boy is healthy, not in healthcare, just a healthy average kid. 
And now the CDC is saying you need to go back and get a, a 50 microgram dose of uh, Moderna, a booster shot, which is the half dose in Moderna. And I guess my point here is that there will be a non-zero rate of myocarditis from that. I know that from some Israeli population right. data. Um, I don't know if that 20-year-old boy is going to get any benefit from having done that. And that, to me, is a problem. It's a gamble. Um, they're pushing it a little bit too much. Boosters is reasonable if you bring the evidence first and then you make the decision. I think it's a problem if you make the decision, as you say, and then you try to look for evidence. And that's what they did with the booster dialogue, at least for healthy young people. For older people, people with Literally, comorbidities who are depressed, yeah. they may need the booster, sure. Yes, yes. I, I, I do actually think it is a net positive that Omicron has got people who are on the fence going ahead and getting vaccinated or getting boosted, particularly if they have significant risk. That's a, that is a net positive as far as I'm concerned. But, um, oh, shoot, there's something else you said in there. I, but since I've had COVID, I, I have to at least once a show go, I block my head block. My thought just, my thinking just blocks all of a sudden. Oh. It's a post-COVID phenomenon I've had. Um, well, let me bring up this thing I, I was going to bring up, which, which was there was a study, I think, was it Israel or New Zealand or something that showed... Uh, excess death in the, this was flying around the last couple of days, excess death in the vaccinated populations. You see that little graph that showed there was a sort of separation. Okay, it, it's, it's a very poor study. It's controlled, on, on, it's controlled for age only, age only. They didn't look under the hood and look at whether there's anything else going on in the end vaccinated or the vaccinated. And, and I can, just off the top of my head, can predict that in the vaccinated group, you're going to people have people with more medical problems. That's why they got vaccinated. You're going to have people who may have delayed, we have both groups, people who delayed their treatments for all kinds of things. That's going to start becoming an issue now. So uh, I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is that- Drew, is I think that the chart say from yesterday's with, show? From yes, yesterday? yes, same I'm chart. Gonna, you want to put it, that up? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'll see it uh, in just a second. It's a- it's, uh, you just see a separation between the vaccinated and unvaccinated, but it's a, there it is. And this was in, where was this? Uh, Can you read where that, uh, it doesn't say. Doesn't say. Uh, oh, I think yes. it was like New Zealand or something, but, but anyway, it was flying around all over the place yesterday. And yeah, um, I guess I, I just thought, wow, I, you know, this, there's, this, is, this is the nature this? of bad studies. Are, yeah. My thoughts are, you know, what you're doing is you're comparing the risk of death among somebody who had a reason to go get the vaccine against somebody who didn't exactly. have a reason to get it. A and if, I would imagine exactly. that if you're living in an, uh, a community, for instance, you're living in a nursing home, it might even be a mandate in the nursing home that everyone who works here is going to get, or yep. everyone who lives at this nursing home says, living, has to get this shot. And so you're going to bias yep. it towards sicker people are getting vaccinated either first or getting vaccinated at all. These kinds of comparisons are not very useful. Similarly, you could make a same graph saying that, you know, schools in Pima and Maricopa County that had mask mandates for kids had less COVID spread than schools that didn't. Well, I would tell you that there's other differences between those schools. They're much more likely to vote for Biden than to vote for Trump. They're much more likely to have back higher vaccination rates at home, et cetera. It may not be the mask. And so that's a classic confounding problem. But I will say the way to look at excess deaths would be to look a meta-analysis of the randomized control trials. And there, I think the right. answer is, you wouldn't be able to do it actually, because at this point, everyone's been crossed over. So I think this is a question that, um, you know, will be quite difficult to answer, um, but I wouldn't let it dissuade anyone from getting the shot. I, I know now the comment I was gonna make, which was what you had yeah. said about making a mandate and then collecting the data. Nowhere in either of our careers have we ever, ever applied a treatment 
that had no evidence for utility when wait for the utility. I mean, we might in extraordinary circumstances, I guess, but we would spell that out. You know, we would say, I'm sorry, we have nothing else to do. I have an idea. We're going to try something. That's different than this mandate for something that has not been proven to be efficacious. I agree with you. I would say that as a general rule in medicine, there are places and times where you can debut something, try something without firm evidence. And those tend to be when people are really sick and when you also counsel yeah. them about the uncertainty. We very rarely debut uncertain things on healthy populations because we know healthy people have much less to gain and a lot more to lose. And so it is unusual. Right to start moving ahead of data when you're talking about healthy young people who really, you know, they got nothing wrong with them. And and that is, that's a much harsher phenomenon to come to terms with if three kids, I'm, I'm expecting three bad outcomes before people go nuts. Uh, and that, you know, say making a healthy kid sick, that, that is a really hard thing to see. But let, let's get off that for a second. I'm dead. I just, I just, yeah, I know. A couple other questions. I know, but any, one thing, though, I mean, how will people know about those bad outcomes, Dr. Drew? Because my understanding is that uh, now even truthful personal stories of bad outcomes are being censored by technology companies. So, I mean, I think we can all have the debate around whether or not incorrect information should be censored and under what circumstances. And I think we need to think about those policies. But now there are people who believe that truthful information can be censored. And that, to me, I think is deeply problematic. Oh, my God, is it ever. Uh, Dr. John Campbell, a British nurse who's an academic, interviewed a kid from here who had myocarditis. I think he had pericarditis. And he just they just discussed his clinical course. That kid was crushed in social media for speaking about his medical condition. It was, I want to interview that kid. I, I put the word out. I'm like, please, let me talk to you and support you because that is nonsense. Uh, you're, you're I just want to say one more thing about myocarditis. You and, made a good point, which is that most of it is mild. And I think that is true. Thank goodness. Uh, you know, also most people who get SARS-CoV-2, they actually don't get sick and die. So, I mean, but these, these comparisons mm -hmm. can be misleading because it's not about what happens to most people. It's also about the distribution and idiosyncratic yep. adverse events like myocarditis will have a distribution. There will be a very few kids who get very, very sick from it. And already we've seen that in New England Journal publications. There's a kid very sick requiring, I think, uh, uh, external support for cardiac support. Um, mm. and so mm. it will have that distribution. Um, that doesn't mean it should be taken lightly. I think any condition after a vaccination that requires you be hospitalized is something to be taken quite seriously. Oh, and and be transparent about. I, I, the fact yeah. that they're being so clandestine is what's creating so much of the resistance. But uh, any, how, how do you feel about Omicron? Want to go on the record with anything there? I've been careful not to say much about it because I'm an old fashioned person who likes to see information before I make up my mind. I guess that yeah. the truth is people don't know a lot, but I will say one thing um, that I think is telling, which is by the time you institute travel bans, it's probably already on your shores. And so travel bans are something that causes a great deal of grief to people, separating people, uh, separating families, making it very difficult to do things. Um, I'm not necessarily sure they change pandemic trajectories. And I'll say one more thing. The, 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 the particular type of travel ban people love to use these days is not a travel ban starting this moment. It's a travel ban starting a few days from now. That's the travel ban. If you have right. a travel ban starting right, a few weird. days from now, 
<laughs> what you actually do is you make everyone rush to the airport right now and try to get on the next flight. And so you actually right, lead to right. a crowding situation. Right. So I wish these people would think about this a little bit more before they react. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there there is the risk, lack of risk reward th thought process. I bought uh, stock in United. <laughs> that's really funny. So <laughs> I, I'm going to go on the record a little bit and say, <laughs> I'm going to go on the record and say, um, I, I believe what the physicians are saying there, uh, that we are probably have fairly widespread Omicron and their hospitalization and death rate continues to decline. And to be fair, the only confounding issue that needs to be sorted out is whether it's gotten into old people or not yet. And if it's getting into old people and the death rate's not going up, I'm not worried about this thing. Now, it may create a little vaccine issue along the way here, and we might want to address that, which I'm sure we will. And, and that's that. In the meantime, we have antivirals coming. Any thoughts on that? The uh, 13 to 10 today, uh, Merck uh, Moldupiravir was uh, given the go-ahead for EUA, which I am delighted about. I hope they get as quickly on to Paxlovid. They are moving forward, it looks like. Um, I guess I would say, um, I guess uh, I agree that the more options, the better, sure, in this disease. I guess I think this is a product that also may increase viral mutation rates. And so it's gotta be used really carefully. And so I think it's probably not gonna be the kind of product that people are just prescribing for you to have it at supply at home just in case you need it. It's probably gonna be the kind of product that are given out very carefully. Um, but I think the reason we get excited about treatments and vaccines is because the alternative of putting society in lockdown, I think is an untenable alternative. And at this point is got no political traction is really cannot be offered and uh, you know, I think Dr. Fauci was asked about it this week. He says all options are on the table, but I do suspect that realistically this option is politically no longer on the table. I don't think the American people would tolerate it again. And so we need to think about these other things. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the back here in California, we had this red, green, yellow, orange lockdown. It was all made up numbers. Never was there, we were going to achieve green or, or ever, ever. It was just it was all fantasy. And so hopefully they're not living in, in fantasy anymore. Uh, back to the Merck and the Paxlovid. I, I think the uh, Moldupiravir is going to be used as the exposure drug. You know what I mean? Like if, if household exposure kind of thing. That to me, it feels like where it fits. And the packs of it are going to be if you get sick, I, I think. What do you think? I think that's uh, that's 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 uh, interesting. I mean, I guess I don't know the answer. I don't know which one will be used where. I do know that we're yeah. seeing data on uh, monoclonal antibodies suggesting that if this variant were to spread, they believe the antibody may not have as much affinity as for prior strains. So something else will be needed. Yeah, and yeah. this may be something that fills that role. Yes. But uh, I'll I'll wait uh, I'll wait some studies. There. Let's hope so. Yeah. Oh. Oh my God. I'm I, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. But but. Um, do you have any, somebody's asking me, do you have any issue, do you have any thoughts about the fact that 10 people dissented on the EUA for uh, uh, Moldupiravir? That seemed like, it seemed like a lot to me. It was 13 to 10. I, I was sort of surprised by that. Yes, I guess I would say that that tells you, I think, to some degree that people are a little bit um, more equivocal about this product. But I will say, we've done this analysis that if you look across many drug advisory committee meetings, um, there are often split votes. And in such cases, the FDA often does vote to approve the product and make it available. But split votes are not unusual. Interesting. Oh, interesting. And, and the Paxlovid, I assume, is coming soon. And I, I, I heard the Regeneron people are going to look at some changes in the monoclonal antibodies. So, you know, we will be in pretty good shape when we have this toolkit sort of put together. I, I think, I think, and we'll have other vaccines coming. I mean, there's a lot going on now where we, there, there need be no panic, it seems to me. 
Uh, and we I, might even get Dr. Oz in the Senate. <laughs> Matt, Matt Oz that. now today is running for Pennsylvania Senate. That's, that's amazing. Uh, okay, listen, I promised you 3.30. We're right there. Um, I think I got to pretty much everything that was on my mind. And I just appreciate you being reasonable and being uh, persistent. Uh, are, you, are our public health colleagues listening? Are they responding? I mean, so much of what you push out are sort of interrogatory. And I wonder if they have a response and if we can learn something or maybe help them adjust their thinking and maybe they can learn something. But I, I'd love to know, uh, uh, there's a lot of whys that you're asking and are they answering? I would say I do think we have some fragmentation in science broadly. I think that there are different camps and there is a camp that's still stuck in the mindset that COVID zero is the goal. And if I were to say what I would say, the single big take home point is, that you've been saying all along, is that when you think about COVID, when you think about public health response, you gotta think about the totality of human health and human experience. That's more than just one thing. Yes. So we gotta think about the virus, yes, but we gotta think about mental health, we gotta think about people working, we gotta think about heart disease, we gotta think about cancer. We can't put everything else on the back burner year after year. And so once you accept that, and you accept the second fact, which I think is the virus is here to stay, it's never gonna go away. It is always going to be with us, intertwined with human beings, even for a thousand years, imagine that. And so as long as that's the case, you yep. need policies that are have a light touch, that try to protect the most vulnerable people, but also allow the rest of society, vaccinated people, younger people to get on back with their lives. And I think that is the part that public health experts need to hear the most. Um, and just because you're a public health expert doesn't mean you're the expert in every domain in life. And so they do need, I think, the body politic to help them see everything. I, I agree. A lot of them aren't even physicians, which is astonishing news to me. But Thank you so much. You can follow. We'll leave it at that. You can uh, go to Dr. Prasad's website, V-I-N-A-Y. Uh-oh. A-K Prasad? Is that right? A-K Prasad, yeah. A-K Prasad is the website. And Twitter is V Prasad, P-R-A-S-A-D-M-D-M-P-H. And of course, that plenary session podcast, you will not be disappointed. I think if you Google his name, you'll find him. Up. Yeah, it's okay. probably easier. Very Too good. many people stealing my handle. Too my many friend. people stealing my handle. I got to use all these uh, letters in there. Okay. <laughs> well, keep uh, keep fighting the good fight. It's just a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I, I, I cheer you on from the sideline as I listen to your pods and read your articles. And uh, just uh, don't stop. Don't stop. They, 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 need, they need the clarity and they need the thinking. Uh, you have the, you have the, you know, you, you've earned the position to be able to take these points of view and you should be taken very, very seriously. And I just hope that Thanks, people Dr. are listening. So thank you so much. And I'll let you go. Thanks for having me. Take care now, Dr. Bernay Prasad. You betcha. Uh, what we will do is we will take a little break uh, and then I'll come back with our clubhouse friends, see what kind of questions you guys have there. If I can handle them, I can. I don't, Dr. Prasad had to run off, so we'll let him go. We'll take a little break. Be right back up to this. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show any time over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, 
podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the Blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue mics, and once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com slash blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. Uh, those of you on Clubhouse were listening to us spout off about- No, the mics were off. It was fine. Oh, okay. I turned them off. Okay. Uh, but we were talking about my friend, Bert Kreischer and- uh, Paulina so, came in. She just his, did Leanne's podcast. Right. Go to of, Wife of the Party if you want to hear it, see another good podcast with Paulina. Exactly. Exactly. Wife of the Wife of the Party. I guess Bert came in and they talked about food, right? Bert has an issue lately. His, uh, his food and alcohol. Don't we all? Yeah. Like, don't we all just have yeah. an issue occasionally? Yeah. Like, I'm- I'm fat right now for me, but I'm tired of being on a diet all the time trying to lose five pounds. It's just, and then I lose it and then I get all wrinkly and I have to get <laughs> fillers and then I'm, I'd rather be fat and then maybe have some fat sucked out of me where I don't want it. So I don't have to lose the My face won't sag. Susan Pinsky. <laughs> all right. Let me get to some uh, calls here over at. It makes my boobs bigger. Over at, uh, oh, shoot. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, hold on here. Right, so raise your hand if you want to ask questions, because now it's all you, boo. Yeah, I'm trying to get to the the uh, questioners here. Let's get BB back. She'll raise our spirits. Remember BB? BB. Uh, yes. Yes, Dr. BB. Drew. How are you? I'm, I am your number one fan. Yeah. And Susan, you're gorgeous. You're gorgeous the way you are. I've never had the opportunity to meet you. Thank you, you just stay fabulous. Uh, did I tell um, you that BB would raise fabulous. your spirits? I told you she would raise your spirits. <laughs> but and here we are. You have turned me on to Dr. Prasad. Yes. I now yes. sit at home. I work from home and I listen to plenary sessions. Great. I tried to listen to his uh, podcast on pancreatic cancer, but I was so excited when it came across my phone that you were talking to him. But just two very quick questions and a comment. Okay. The first question is you always speak of an Attix score? Yes. Your own? If I live on the East Coast, mm -hmm. is there some way I am able to get an Attix score? I have been vaccinated, and I don't believe, to the best of my knowledge, that I have ever displayed any COVID symptoms. So you want to know, I have I, have I... It would be a hard thing to tease out of a lot, this data, but you, if you... How long ago do you think you would have had it if you had it? Oh, I, I have no idea. Mm. That's why I was wondering, am I eligible? I looked on their website. Yeah. Obviously, I live on, um, or I live in Pennsylvania, so I don't know whether what's I, your, what's your I vote code? for Dr. Oz or what's not. What's your zip code? He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> I, I, I can vouch for his character He's a, and really? his intellect. Okay. I, 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 without... I, beyond reproach the guy is an amazing human being okay, and you don't get you do not get to be the head of cardiovascular surgery at columbia presbyterian as a slouch and he that, runs that is, a business that well. is the highest that is the highest order intellect. i mean look at how long he's had that television show like that's that's amazing yeah you know he's then like i will jump on board Ellen, and if, if Ellen size. dr drew tells me to help campaign for him I will do that. I, I, but one, I, just just is, know he's a great person. I, I don't know what his political views are. We'll see. We'll see what he what he shows up with. What's your zip code? Uh, 15108. And did you did you look around for a testing site near you? Well, I just went out to their main website. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and and I was I was actually been meaning to call them because I wasn't yeah. sure how do so, do I need a script? So do here I it is, to... not yet available within a fifty mile radius of your area. So it's okay. not yet available there. Well, keep keep me posted. All right, and um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, you're not going to learn that much from it. So Attics is a company I worked for for a year. I no longer work with them. I was be, I was put on a research protocol with them where they are following my Attics score, and it's been very interesting. Uh, my score was always – I was one of these people that had persistent high-level uh, antibodies across the board, the, the, robot, uh, the binding domain, the nuclear capsid protein, the spike protein. I had, I had antibodies to everything of all types. It was just all over the place and high-neutralizing antibodies. It started to decay, uh, not badly, but it started falling down. I took the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and, of course, the spike stuff went up, which was great. Um, even my neutralizing antibodies went up a little bit. Then they started falling again, and then they went up again. And so I think I might have been re-exposed, which is very interesting, that uh, my neutralizing antibodies are up pretty high. So that's kind of fun and interesting. So it's interesting to, to look at these profiles, but they haven't been standardized yet. So you, you, you can well, only... Tell them about mine. Oh, Susan's. I, I had a hunch that she needed a booster. They wanted to test her because much like you, BB, they were wondering about looking at somebody like that that may have had it, but probably didn't, but had a booster. I had the two vaccines. I had a hunch that she needed to be boosted and she did. <laughs> her neutralizing antibodies were in the toilet. She had some spike antibodies, but really not, not, not what made me comfortable. So I was really glad that she got boosted before we went to Europe. Just, I have uh, friends that say, well, I went to LabCorp and I got tested. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what a kind that of a, it's kind of a yes, no test. And, okay. and, and all you really are going to learn is that you've been vaccinated. That's really all oh, you're going to okay. learn. And so, yeah, I mean, you, there, it's a quantitative test in some settings to a, some degree. But again, these things aren't standardized yet. So we don't really know how to interpret them. So they're all sort of on a hunch. But if you don't have the neutralizing antibody results, which is really becoming the thing that's most standard, I'd say, the thing that, that people are looking at the most consistently, um, you don't really have that, I don't think, in the LabCorp test. So. Okay, anyway, thank you. Yeah, what, I, I, you one you're, you're not going to learn too much no matter what. So you're good. And I was the one, I have the healthy 17-year-old daughter, and I was just trying to find out the best time to get her vaccinated, to get the most uh, bang for my buck on the uh, vaccine. Now, this is the one, I've had my daughter vaccinated against Hep A, Hep B, HPV. I was all on board with vaccines, but much like you say, when all this hit, I didn't know who to trust. And when I hear people like you speaking, Dr. Prasad speaking, he had a fabulous talk with the Dr. Pershing, yeah. who does this for, like, you all give me the clinical information and Adam Carolla, Adam Corolla gives me the courage and the humor. Oh, to okay. Keep I was going to say Corolla gives you the clinical information. That's well, interesting. No, 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 no. He yeah. just keeps me from when I listen to him, he just brings my stress level down. Just listening to his humor, just listening to it. him saying, don't be afraid, go out there. And that just my last comment, please keep podcasting as the variants come out. Please keep having these fabulous guests like Dr. Prasad, you know, speaking about the antivirals and mm -hmm. You're where I go to get my information. And Susan, you're fabulous. Dr. Drew, you're fabulous. That's and I will now be quiet. Okay. You don't Thank think you, he's asked the same questions over and over too much? BB, this, no. this is Susan's well, complaint. She goes, yeah, you keep going over the you same You ask stuff. these doctors all the but same at, questions. But, but as, as a lay person uh -huh. that I have now turned off 
any mainstream media. Yeah. And when the, when the variant hit, and this is why I raised my hand again, mm-hmm. I went out and I looked up, has Dr. Drew commented? Has Dr. Prasad commented? Commented, And then there's that gentleman, his name is his Z-Dog, Dr. so We should get him back, Susan. We've had him on here before, too. We should get him back. And so I go looking. So maybe to you that thank you for tolerating us lay people. Oh, no, When something like that hits the the mainstream media, I'm like, I'm not listening to them. I'm going to wait until... Somebody such as these folks speak, and these are who I'm going to listen to. Well, that's that, that's, nice. that's good news for you and probably the public generally. Which is the 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 what has upset me most during the whole thing has been the media's panic mongering, and then the medical community sort of freezing in place and silencing dissent and that kind of stuff, which was silly. Um, so good, you shouldn't be listening to that. You should have some resources. I, I Z Dog is great. Vernet Prasad is great. Um, Alex Berenson can be wrong, but he, he's sort of, he, but he's not he, a doctor. Yeah. He's not afraid to be wrong, but he's raising important issues. Uh, and, and, and I realized when the Steve Omicron, Kirsch too. Steve Kirsch can, we, we yes. worry about some of his conclusions, but, but the, the other thing I noticed, uh, for myself is I have a bias. I, I was clear to me. I have a bias when Omicron came out. My bias is immediately to say, please don't panic. That, that's right. always my I, bias. So, so no. And I that, did. Yeah, but but and people I, do, I, and then you buy stocks, <laughs> and then they go back up. But but, I, but I've noticed I have a bias that that's way, how and, I, I, feel and like. I and I came out and said, <laughs> but listen, I'm doing. I have my own self critique. Is I came out pretty quick with don't panic before I really knew whether we shouldn't, and I thought, ooh, that's a. You got to be careful. I, yeah. I, I, so, but please keep, as this evolves, please keep speaking on it. Yes. And we will. then Adam Corolla gives us a dose of humor and yes. we, I can uh, manage another day. We went out to dinner with him uh, on Sunday night, Susan. Yes. I think he should run for president. Did we have no, fun? I have to see. Uh, well, let's hear what Susan has. Susan, yeah, we, we haven't talked about it. We, had and we ran time. into um, the. Um, Dubrow's. The Dubrow's, too. And Terry and Heather Dubrow. It's so funny. I said, text, you know, Heather, and, and he emailed her, and she didn't get the message. He says, let's meet for dinner. And we literally were in tables right next to each they other. They sat us down next to the Dubrow's. Yeah. I'm like, wow, weird. And I <laughs> they look good. You didn't, you didn't see what I did. I, was, I walked over to their table, not because I realized it was them. I was looking through the window to where their table usually is, and I was trying to look, and I, and I just saw the corner of my eye. I was like, I think it's Heather DeBrow there sitting there. And so, lo and behold. So uh, that was fun. And uh, Adam enjoyed meeting them, and that was good. And uh, we, we discovered the three stages of Adam drinking, which was a new insight. <laughs> what was the first one? I remember the second one was loud, and the third one was uh He got teddy cozy, bear. yeah. No, that's the third one. It was cute. I would pay money just to observe that. <laughs> it was. I, she was right. She was absolutely right that that it was, uh, the, it was loud, then passive, and... and uh, a happier version cozy. of him. Yeah, cozy version of him. Yeah. All right, BB, His good to talk to you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. All right. Wait, going back Drew, to I have a quick question here. that's based on that as well. Yes. So, whenever on I you remember that? when my wife was, well, it's about the testing. So, my wife, remember when she was sick last week for like 10 days and we got tested? We did our COVID test yes. and all that. That was before they announced yes. this new variant. Well, so did the test yes. that I take then, will that still be able to detect all of the different variants that may be coming out in the future or yes. that are happening right now? So it's uh, if it well, said I, I didn't about the have future, COVID, but, but at least up till now. We're good for now. Yeah, we are okay. good for now. And there's certain ways certain tested there's a dropout of a certain protein that affects the way the tests are read 
but it wouldn't right. affect your yes or no kind of a question. So okay, the no is still no. Okay. <laughs> Although, as you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical and Susan's super skeptical of time course testing. In other words, you know, my own personal experience was I didn't, I didn't turn positive till I've been sick for four days. Right. And, and some people are sick to get a test positive early, then go negative, then go positive. Some are positive early, some are positive late. So it's, it's a weird illness in terms of the detection of the antigen. So and just there FYI, a difference there between like I went and got the quick test. It was like a 15 minute result versus a different test that may have taken. I think they said a few days to get the results back is one better that detects right these? the pcr yeah pcr is a little more accurate also mm -hmm. gets more false positives but 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 pcr of any type is more accurate generally speaking i was hoping i was hoping that was the, let's put it this way you're, you're not going to get false negatives you're not going to okay, get a false good. negative from pcr uh, good, right. good 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 enough. uh george what's happening hey can you hear me i do Hey, uh, so last, I think it was last week, the headlines about the Merck drug not yep. being as effective as yes. originally described. Yes. What is, uh, can you unpack that a little bit? And are we going to see that same thing with the Pfizer one? Uh, I don't believe you're going to see it with the Pfizer drug. They, I, somebody explained it to me. Well, the main thing that falls out of it is that there were no deaths in the, in the Merck treated group, no deaths. And that was the main finding, that whether or not you could keep people out of the hospital, not as, as effective as preventing death, okay? So that was the main thing. The other thing was they were studying very sick people. And so people are speculating that if you get people on this medicine earlier, you may see more capacity to keep people out of the hospital. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense, yeah, actually. Yeah. And of course, as usual, you know, when you do studies like this on on new drugs, you're using sick populations. That's just the way we do things. Uh, but no deaths, no deaths in a sick population. That's that's a good thing. All good right. to know. Yep. Thank yep. you, George. You bet. Uh, I'm still messing around here with calls, everybody. Thank you for. I'm I'm hmm, having a little bit of technical stuff. Uh. Okay. Let me get Eric, who uh, talked to us before. Uh, whoops, Eric, I did not do that properly. Now I did it. Eric can come on up here. And again, you're all screaming. You. There you are. Yep. Hey, Dr. Drew. Eric, what's happening? Hey, great interview today. Um, I'm glad I was able to, uh, to jump on. Um, great. yeah, as, as you're going through the interview, I had a question, uh, popped in my head about the, uh, Stanford situation that you brought up with the bike helmets and all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how much of, of the, um, the mask wearing as opposed to the bike helmets do you think is social pressure? Cause that's the first thing that jumped into my head. Uh, um, it's a hundred percent. And, and, and Vinay sort of said that it's, he said it's, it's yeah. politics, it's virtue signaling. It's a hundred percent because, because these they are do smart, that in Pasadena these, too. these are smart oh, kids. Yeah. These are smart kids and there's no COVID transmission outdoors. <laughs> That's it. You, they know that. But, but, I mean, it just but, doesn't but happen. There's still the, there's still the benefit then of, well, I guess not the, not the, adverse effect of not being cast out of the tribe not yeah, being the right. one seen as doing kind of something That's different right. i want to it's just easier to put the mask on rather than avoid a scowl from someone on the street so everyone just kind of does it i think that's um, correct in, in, in you yeah. see that i've only seen that in california uh, yeah. I, I see that quite like you go around new york people do not wear masks in the street they don't i see it you, you, walking around outside my office every day in new york in pasadena you, oh yeah 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 in, in pasadena it's in california not in orange yeah. county interestingly orange county you have to look you have to 
You won't find a mask anywhere. <laughs> and and Orange County has a lower incidence of COVID than LA County. Okay. Uh, okay. Mask mandates. Um, right. And they do, people are just more sane in certain areas. And yeah, I, I was in Pasadena. I was, went running down by the Arroyo and uh, yep. an older gentleman was on the, I was sharing the sidewalk with him. I was running. I was not walking fast. I was running past. He was passing me on the sidewalk. He recoiled from me as though I swung at him with my fist. <laughs> it, it was unbelievable. Right. Uh, it was like oh. so, okay, so so that level of reaction feels insane to me. Yes. But I I would say that the average person is just I just want to avoid conflict. Yes. I well, that that's that why insanity. I do it. It's just the, yeah. That's why I wear masks. I, for a while early on in the pandemic, I thought I I was very diligent with the mask. And then I got COVID. It didn't make any difference. And, right. and now I've been more because I'm all protected no, and vaccinated. It's just virtue like, eh, in this town. I'll just do it. I'm I fine, wear it under whatever. my chin. Well, yeah. I, until yeah. I go inside so that people know I have but it's, one. It, it, so it, it, have it's a lot of virtue signaling, but I, I think most people just conflict avoidance. It's just yes, I'd rather that's not me. deal with things. I, I agree. Yeah. That's me. Eric, you're yeah. an MFT. What, what do you think about my theory? I don't have theory? a problem with that. I, I like conflict. Wow. <laughs> you know, Jason Ellis brought that. Jason Ellis, I did Jason Ellis's podcast today, and he brought that up, Susan. He did? He that I he, like conflict? He said he's afraid of you. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Ellis is an MMA fighter. So so is Nadav, and so is any. And he's and afraid of I'm trying Susan to Pinsky. soften up a little bit. And, and I said, Different type of fear there. And I, and I said, wow. I said, Jason, I, I was really, I, I guess recently I became kind of a, sort of aware of your. Um, Edge? Uh, what should we call it? Your, your, is it aggression or is it, what is it? What do we call it? Your sternness, some, something, something <laughs> about her makes men. I'm like worry. a mean old grandma. Yeah, it makes when men, <laughs> men particularly, women don't seem to complain about you so much. But but I, I became aware of that through the mom's house guys. So when Jason brought it up, I said, I you know I didn't, I was not aware of it. I'm always recently. really nice to him on the phone. I always say you're love always you, very nice, and I always text him, I love him. Somehow and you're you're something. Intimidating. I think. Yeah, you're intimidating. Well, exactly. I that's, think that's he a better word. Women poorly like no he, he treats katie like she's made out of yeah gold, but i mean you know? it, it's the sexual thing that they they have that sort of the way they te treat women you mm. know sexually like your mom's house and this guy and i think people meet me and they're like oh that's dr drew's wife we can't do the same thing to her <laughs> oh you can't screw with her yeah uh, and i, and I also am i'm part of the business so it's kind of hard it's like it's like, is she going to go all me too on on me? You know, what is what's going on? Oh my God, that's the last thing you would ever. I do. don't. I'm like, come on, hit me, let's go. Yeah. I, well, that, I'm see, at that's that, not the usual. I'm I at guess. my. Not, I'm at my at that age now. I'm like, oh yeah, I I miss being sexually harassed all the time. But it's it's just, I think they're like they see me as almost like you're. No, I don't you know, think it's me. I don't think so because none of them bring that up. This is who's well, afraid of Susan. They don't. They don't. <laughs> yeah, no, there he is. That's Jason. This guy. <laughs> That's yeah, this guy is afraid of Susan Minsky. I didn't know that, but I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's pretty I good. Appreciate that. I thought it, was, it struck me. But Eric, what do you think about my theory about the um, the histrionification uh, that we've all become a histrionic? Uh, and oh, yeah. taking a move in that direction. And but but I don't I don't know a lot about histrionic disorders. I've been reading about it. I can't figure out. It, it, I, I always assumed it'd be something to be set up before age five. But it feels yeah. like there's kind of a circumstantial component to it. I get, I mean, 
I wonder social media feels like a factor yep. there yep. getting just more it's rewarded more than I think it ever has been before. Whereas I imagine historically it would just be something everyone would want to avoid the rare cases where someone would be histrionic, but right. now that that's being reinforced, you're just seeing the tide. Rise so maybe off. it's I mean, just a behavioral piece, just strictly be- behavioral. I mean, it's yeah. well, and, and is there something about it that, um, people in leadership are, would have never been in leadership prior, but now because of the way things are rewarded, there's more of kind of a top down trickle down effect. I'm just kind of brainstorming off. The top yeah. Of yeah. Go ahead. Thinking about it. Um, but, uh, I, I imagine a lot of these people I see in leadership who seem to be acting histrionic and it would never have been tolerated before, but now there's echo chambers that tolerated. might be interesting. reinforcing that. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. That so it's yeah, sort I, of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely think that is a phenomenon that is happening in one way or another. Now, whether that's an actual like histrionic diagnosis or just no, no, I don't mean diagnosis. Behavioral just, pattern. I, no, I, 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 I just know, think yeah. if it were strictly hysteria, I wouldn't expect the rigidity of the thinking and the kind right, of delusionality. Right. That's why. That's why I keep thinking it's more of the disorder. But it doesn't mean you've got a diagnosable condition. It just it yeah, just yeah, traits. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like I like what you're saying that it's reinforced and it's a behavioral piece and. Maybe it's just something that lies dormant well, that's and brought forward. Well, and even just the conflict avoidant thing, too. I think a lot of people, out of fear of looking like an outsider, will say something or at least support someone who is acting that way, whereas before it would just be like avoided, if not shut down. Yep, I think you're right. So, All right, thank you, Eric. I don't know. Take care, I think we've Thanks. all been brainwashed. I mean, well, when we saw that little girl on a scooter going down Arroyo Parkway, like on a busy street, that yeah. you, on a scooter without a helmet and wearing a mask, right? I, it, I mean, I saw it with my own eyes, and I, it actually made me laugh because it was so stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that is so stupid. Yeah. She's going to get hit by a car. She's going to die. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, Josh. I was pointing that out in the first place. I no, didn't I realize she that. had a mask on. I go, what is this girl doing on a scooter without a helmet? And going then I down? pointed out the mask. Yep. And mask. <laughs> uh, Josh, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. Um, I just wanted to talk about what you think is sort of racist policy. Um, I mean, we know that you know, minority people, they tend not to get vaccinated. And when when there's these vaccine mandates or when people are, you know, forcing you to get a vaccine to see a show or whatever, um, that looks like racism. But I would I would change the language a little bit and I would call that something um and it's not my word, but white privilege. Yeah, white supremacy kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, not not white supremacy, just just the privilege that white people get for being white. Yeah, that's that. that, that some people like Frederick Douglass would call that white supremacy, and it, people unfortunately get hung up on skinheads as though that's white supremacy. No, 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 no. White supremacy just means you have a white perspective above others. And that you can't help it sometimes because that's your upbringing, it's your orientation, it's your culture. And, and yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's like they, they don't, the people that have made these policies that in that disproportionately discriminate against certain populations do not think about or seem to get why those populations are resistant. Again, I, Dr. Prasad, Prasad agreed with me. It's our profession that created that. And we need to focus on overcoming that distrust, not segregating people for not getting a vaccine. That's an insane policy. 
but we're doing it. We're doing it. And I don't understand why there's not more uh, outrage from it. I, I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I want to tie this into a new kind of spiritual awakening or something, because it could just be the end of, of, of what we consider to be white privilege. I mean, that would be unbelievable yes. if we could just do yes. that. So, so to your point, uh, I, I have been saying that you know, there's a lot of unpleasantness about what's going on these days, but there will be some good things coming out of this. Uh, the, the question just becomes how much, you know, how, how much uh, conflict, as somebody like we were talking earlier, like I, I prefer the avoidance of conflict, but how much conflict are we going to have? How much discomfort are we going to have before we get to an equilibrium where we are? It's, it's an old uh, sort of idea that, uh, that Hegel, G.W.F. Hegel allegedly put forward, which was that history moves in these, these. Uh, he didn't really think about pendulum things. He he called it a, as a thesis, an antithesis, and then a synthesis. That things come together in some sort of synthetic way, taking both poles into account and come out better as a result of that. Now it doesn't mean there can't be a lot of pain along the way to sort of get to that point. So to your point, I I, I think you're right. I think you are right. Um, this is, I forget your name. He's in Japan. Randy. Hi, Randy. Uh, how are you doing? Good. It's What's morning for me here, so good morning to everyone. Good morning, sir. <clears throat> Susan, I'd like to uh, apologize. I hit you up on the DMs. I wanted to follow up on the last time, I think, I listened to Dr. Drew and your, your son had COVID. How has he gone through that? Wait, was that the last time we talked to you? Did, what? I, I think yeah. that On my DM? Yeah. Which you had, yeah, like, think, like Instagram or or I think the, the back the back channel on this clubhouse when it first came out. Uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. I have that. I have that. Yeah, I think sorry. I, 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 I responded, I don't right? I, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe so. I'm sorry. Uh, so he one. he had he was sick with me. He was the only one that got. Um, this COVID. was in December last year. It's been a year. Yeah, yeah. It was mm. the last holiday. How are you? Yeah, how's your uh, What's going on? I'm there? doing well. Um, you've probably seen in the news that the the cases here have gone down quite radically. Yeah, like somebody told me. Days. Tell tell me this. Somebody just today told me that Japan had stringent lockdowns. Is that true? Very true. Uh, lockdowns, not in the respect of the. Uh, what would you say? Uh, travel restriction lockdowns. Yes. Okay, but they didn't but make you shelter in your house. They didn't make the no, kids stay home from school. They didn't close not all. At all. Didn't close all not businesses. All. all right, so not they just all. they just didn't want you moving. That makes sense to me. That that seems like a reasonable yeah. policy. So they don't want you and, moving out of your district, essentially. Yeah, so much. So uh, they have, uh, like I said, there's been absolutely no lockdowns. But here in Japan, it works a little bit differently. They suggest things, and people seem to follow them. Oh. I think it plays into the uh, situation that you were talking about before with people. <clears throat> not wanting to create some kind of a problem. There's an, actually a, a phrase in Japanese, which is uh, translated as the nail that sticks out is soon pounded down. Right. And well, so that works in with their mask situation as well. A big part of our uh, country was settled by essentially wildlings, if you watch Game of Thrones, and uh, uh, they're not prone to submission or cooperation. Or they're they're right. prone to... Uh, uh, Dancing to their own drama, as they say, or well, marching. I, I was, I'm kind of the, the same way with I that. Know. I was always Me too. fighting upstream a little bit as well. A little like, bit. But, uh, yeah, no, here things are really quieting down a lot more. People are uh, getting the vaccination. We had uh, what we would refer to, like, that you called lockdowns, state of emergencies, where they were kind of suggesting that people don't do this and don't do that. Mm. 
and uh, those played out well. But like I said, I can't remember exactly when this was, but like last week, Tokyo had 14 cases and all over the country, there are only like 200 cases or something like this. So the whole numbers are dropping, but how do we, you know, how are they testing where the numbers coming from? These are, you know, unknown things, but uh, it's still not, it's not like you mentioned, the hysteria is not here. The, the scare tactics. Yeah. There's no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Because like, say for example, I'm, I'm, basically a non-masked person of course i wear it when the situation's there and i have to but i will go all over the place without wearing a mask and i've never once been approached by a person you know oh that's ridiculous why are you doing this and putting your mask on things like that and so i mean there is an understanding to a degree i guess but i think like you mentioned the the majority of people are just wearing it not wanting to you know to create a problem not wanting to be the nail that gets pounded down Exactly. Yeah, exactly. fair enough. I, I'm bald, so I've been pounded down quite a few times. <laughs> All right, and uh, anything else going on with you? Uh, no, that's it. I did get my two shots uh, towards, uh, when was it? I think uh, in September. And so... Uh, Remind I'm us just, again, Randy, what, what he are you got, doing? He got COVID, right? Yeah. Didn't you? No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I, I, I had the two shots. Um, I'm just... my my. My situation here in Japan is that I'm a teacher of the Japanese tea ceremony. Right, that's what it was. Yeah. So I'm dealing with matcha. And we actually, uh, Dr. Drew mentioned a bit about uh, green tea and that before. A little <laughs> bit of confusion between what green tea was and what matcha is. But uh, at any rate, um, I think green tea might come into it. A lot of people have said also vitamin D uh, plays into it here. Green tea uh, actually is, cold. green tea has a more powerful association even than vitamin D. So they're, they're yeah. People when it when it when they look at it, it looks pretty strong. I, I found myself reaching for vitamin for uh, green tea more than I normally do because of that data. Well, then definitely send me your address, and I'll send you some of my matcha because it's definitely going to be a good right. boost. Done a done, my friend. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Thank Take you care. very much. You bet. Uh, all right, let's uh, see if we can get one more in here, guys. Um, this is Russ, I think. Russ, you up there? There you are. Russ, what's happening? Hey, Dr. Drew. Um, nothing major. I just wanted to quickly tell you how much I appreciate what you and Susan and Caleb do. Oh, and y'all have taken kind. my calls a bunch of times, and I just wanted to hop on and let you know it's helped uh, out a lot. Good. Tell a friend. We love it. We love building a little community here. It's it's kept us sane during the uh, this whole ride this whole experience being able to be purposeful and reach out and help and try to make sense for people and just have a little community where we kind of i don't know maybe calm each other down even that that's sort of the the uh, connect and i don't know if you've noticed that uh, people are dying to get out and be around other people now I've, I've noticed that a lot uh and it's doesn't surprise me at all and i and i recommend that people do it yeah i have noticed that and i myself am pretty solitary in general mm. but the the first time I was able to get out and socialize, it was, uh, I appreciated it more than ever before. Even and you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Even yeah, you. Even, even it's even, yes. a, 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 what are you? A, what do they call it when somebody is, uh, my brain, a recluse? A recluse, even when you're a recluse yeah. or a, what do they call it when somebody, they used to call it when somebody like lives in a cave for a long period of time? A, a, a hermit. Come on, Susan, help me. Hermit, thank you, Karen. Hermit. Hermit, that's yes. where I was looking for. I don't know how sane it kept me working with you every day, but uh oh, <laughs> well, let me get the MFT back. We can have a little session here. <laughs> All right, Russ, thanks, buddy. Appreciate the kind words. Of course, y'all have a good night. I'm a lot more sane now because 
Caleb and Michelle are working harder these days. So what uh, what was the problem with me? You're a workaholic. Yeah. Remember when we had to do like seven days a week and I was like, can we just take a day off? And you're like, no, we got to do this tomorrow. And I was like, oh my God. It's not, I mean, we're not, it's not like we're, these are 12 hour um, no, I know. endeavors. But I, I had to produce most of them. So it was a lot of, you know. You I didn't like really mind lockdowns. Um, I didn't mind them because my wife really wanted to have a baby. So lockdowns were great for us and, that worked and, out and just you're, fine. you're locked down now that the baby has come you're really locked down anyway i have to admit this i have to admit there was more sex definitely during the lockdown so so you, you don't like responsibility is that right no i do but i don't like right now i like working middle of the week and you know having a few days off it's mm -hmm. nice and you know like i don't mind loading up one week doing five shows and then when you're traveling and then not having to work, work for a while. And so you nice. disdain me because I like work. No, you, you're pushy. I'm pushy. Yeah. But I, I mean, it was good. It was fun. It was, it was fun for me to learn how to use a system and how to run a system and have something to do and, 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 you know, trick my brain into thinking I'm smart, but, um, it was, it was good for that, but I don't know. I think working with your husband is a lot sometimes. Okay. I like that now you have other projects and you're doing other things because then I feel like I can have a little more me time. Like I would prep the house for Thanksgiving. I put on a party, you know. Yeah. I, and it. It, it's stuff that I used to do that I don't do as much anymore. Like right now I'm ordering falafels and hamburgers for dinner because I don't want to cook because I didn't, I had, you know, I like cooking. I like, you know, fixing up my house and stuff. So. When we work as much as we did, it was just wasn't easy to do everything. Right. And um, I I just never feel like I'm doing enough because it's so different than when I, when I was really working a holic, when I was really doing it. it well, you're going it, to New York weird. and you were like, I, you know, I don't have that much to do. So I, I just booked you on a bunch of stuff. Good. Just so you stay busy because yeah. I know you want to stay busy like yeah, that. Yeah, it's good. I get But the last time you went to New York, you were miserable because I wasn't there to entertain you. Right. And See, I get this... Um, I get a weird, I have a weird, I think COVID has left me a little depressed maybe or something. And so I've always dealt with depressive symptoms by working hard. Well, you also get um, yelled at in an elevator by that guy at STK. Yeah. Right? But, uh, I'm just saying now, right. And I'm talking about right now. And, and, and I think the fact that after dark moved down to Austin, I'm not as engaged with those guys on a regular basis. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So yeah, that's so, harder. And, and then I have a very strange thing, which I start feeling inadequate. You forgot you made money over there. I start feeling inadequate. I start feeling this adequacy I know, shortage. I know. And it's it's a it's an old feeling. Well, I, I thought maybe during the pandemic you'd get used to not working as much and you'd just sort of like be happy with what we're doing. I mean, you've got five podcasts, so it is. It, 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 that's why I think it's some some leftover COVID thing because it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't feel right. So it might be just some little biological state that I'm stuck with or something. Maybe I'm ready to retire before you, but no. And I'm really glad that now we have a system. Like uh, we have a team, the running no, the show, no and I don't have to well, produce everything. We're going to Larry King this all the right, way through. Right. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. But uh, no, one of the, he's one not going to stop. One of the reasons I'm, I'm pushing on Susan a little bit right now is that one of the upcoming episodes of After Dark is me interviewing Susan Pinsky. I You're allowed to tell. I, yeah, I reckon I think that should be coming up Next like week. very soon. So I recommend you keep an eye out for that because that was I've I've never Susan, who we've already established today, <laughs> frightens a crazy man with a wolf on his head and a knife in his hand. He's afraid of Susan Pinsky. 
<laughs> got, got very weirdly anxious during this interview in a way I never. There. Well, you know, and Jason also, is scared by Susan. She got very the, weirdly uh, the anxious. Booth the Booth Boys were afraid of me too, and I yes. I told Nadav at dinner. I said, you know, I just really appreciate you know everything you do, and you know, I never really get a chance to be sentimental with you because I'm. It's usually like calling because we're working or whatever, and I think he. He really appreciated that. Well, we took him out to dinner. I think they like. Yeah, that and they too, also so. realize that I'm not as bad as they think. Because right. you know, texts right. can be, you know, they can. Oh, your texts, my texts. Yeah, I don't. Susan's texts are curt I, and hard to decipher. No, Caleb, back me up on this. <laughs> Susan just has things to <laughs> no, do, I so just, it's like she has other things to do, and they, well, she sends a text. I don't and I'm have like, typing I, I appreciate skills. Them. <laughs> We, but the, I, the kids and I read them out loud and just entertain ourselves <laughs> with the, with the threads. We're like, well, but when I started working with Nadav, you know, we put together the whole thing yeah. together, and um, you know, Tom sort of handed it off to Nadav, and then, you know, we had to do the music together, and then we had to, and then somebody took our jingle away, and we had to get a new jingle, and I always get the shit runs downhill here. You know, I get the worst job, so, you know, I'm a little, a little tart, but I'm also, you know game on when i'm working like when you're doing a show i'm really serious but when the show's over i'm having a cocktail having a great time so you just it there's two susans there's the you know business size susan and then the fun susan so that's how oh, yeah, i the, feel none of this i don't know maybe Drew, you don't susan uh, no, you're like a driving. I course. think it's all yeah. fun. It's yeah, <laughs> it's all fun, Susan. It's all fun, Susan. Relax for you. Relax for me. <laughs> for me, yes. <laughs> for me, you're you're not always fun, but it's but it's still. I would defend you as I have highs and lows. Mostly you know? fun. Like this else. is hysterical. So look for that interview. No, you know, it's is, it was fun meeting them, and I got to meet Annie, and I got to meet. You know, they they had fun making fun of me. And they were actually, they weren't too hard on me, actually. It wasn't that right. bad. They're afraid of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Maybe the next time, but there is going to be, the next trip out is going to be really interesting. Casey Gates, why are you sleeping? He's, I think they're, we're putting some people to sleep. So we're going to wrap this thing up. Did he you. say he was sleeping? He's. I don't know why he said that, but. Um, Thanks, Casey. We'll see. Uh, Jeremy, also, I hope his friend Jorge is okay. What happened to all the other letters uh, in the Greek alphabet? And uh, there were some reasons they seemed to jump over them, I'll just say. <laughs> uh, here's Rex in the room, ready to You're go. You're not going to say it out loud? Well, one of them was G. And if we're not allowed to say the virus came from, comes from China, to call it the G <laughs> variant seems to me is going to create some uh, some raised eyebrows, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So maybe, and I suspect we will fill back in. I, I wonder. Monica Riki's been texting me and giving me kudos. All right, good. All right, thank you so much. So tomorrow, two o'clock Pacific time with Dave Navarro. He has a big uh, uh, fundraiser coming up that we go to every year. Yeah. So if you're in LA, you got to sign up, come out and see Dr. Drew. And don't forget to check out. Uh, and Dave know, Navarro. Look for me on uh, Instagram. I'll try to do some lives over there at Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Drew Pinsky. And then don't forget. Twitter at Dr. Drew and uh, the podcast where we do me and Corolla three days a week and me by myself talking and to mostly clinicians. Dr. Drew after dark and for all your sexual dark. endeavors. Well, I, I wouldn't quite call it that, but uh, the, you're. Um, well, I'm glad we don't have to do that topic here anymore. So, did they, we, were we doing that? They do all the heavy lifting over there. Right. Oh, Ori wanted to meet Vinay Prasad. I forgot to bring that up. We'll have to. Caleb, can you help out with that? 
Yeah, I'll set that up by email or something, an intro email. Okay, great. All right, guys. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Susan. Uh, we will see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock Pacific time with uh, the great Dave Navarro. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.